and welcome to the Pink Sheep Tales podcast. Pink Sheep Tales? What's this all about, I hear you ask? Well, the name is based on the old saying, Black Sheep of the Family, and Tales, T-A-L-E-S, is a play on words because we'll be hearing people's life stories. So through this podcast, I'm so excited to be able to share these remarkable stories from inspirational children and adults with you. These everyday people are building amazing businesses, excelling in their careers, exceptional in their industries, choosing unique career paths, and all in the name of living their best life. My goal is to encourage listeners to follow their passions and be inspired by our pink sheep who have and are doing just that. So let's do it. Let's open the gate and hear this week's Pink Sheep Tale. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Pink Sheep Tales. I hope everyone is well, and if you're in self-isolation, I hope this episode brings you a lot of entertainment and some food for thought to think about for the future and um, just some inspiration. So today I'm really excited. I have Zushan Hashmi here, who is the co-founder, Chief Innovation and Content Officer for Sportageous. Sportageous is a sports media platform and their motto is where sports get smarter. So Zushan, how are you? Great. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for giving us your time. What I was really interested in with your story is you're right in the midst of what it takes to get a successful startup going and prosper in the future. So um, when you had reached out, you said that you were working the 80 to 90 hour week with your day job and the startup. And I think a lot of people would think, whoa, that's, that's (laughs) full on. That's so much, but it's something people want to reach out into. So giving them an insight into how you're coping with it, the, how you're organizing your time, your, um, improving any processes that are going on, your time management, and also still having that work-life balance. Let's give everyone a little bit of an insight into Sportageous. I love the name. Where did it come from? Yeah, so uh, the name, I guess the story of the name in essence is the story of the business as well, the startup as well. Um, So the two other uh, co-founders with me, we were all good mates. We all, in fact, uh, used to study in Brisbane together a few years ago. And we had a WhatsApp group where we would talk all things sport. And one of us, not myself, uh, thought, hey, why not do something about it, like writing a blog? Because we all seem to be so very opinionated on sport. And that's essentially where the idea came from and we were just brainstorming names and i thought hey sport ages where sport gets smarter and that's where the name itself came from but it also ties in obviously with the the play on um courageous or doing something a little bit innovative or revolutionary or rebellious and I guess that sort of ties into the story of Sportageous itself as a brand, which is that we sort of try and push ourselves as this organization 
that is challenging the memes and rumor-based culture of sports media. So mm -hmm. if you look at, you know, media in general, but in particular sports media in our case, there's a lot of celebrity or athlete gossip. There are a lot of rumors on what's going on in sport. There's a lot of daily updates on how, for example, games are going, how the athletes are performing, and there's no space to breathe. Um, and that can be quite, I mean, it's exciting, of course, there's that adrenaline in sport, but then there are all these other stories in sport that don't get covered. And that's sort of what we try to bring in. So athletes, we talk to, we, we focus on talking to athletes, we promote uh, women in sports in particular, we speak mm -hmm. to athletes from diverse and different communities. Um, and we do so in a way where we can hear about their stories, not just with that glam and glitz and the success, but also on the other side. So where you're struggling behind the scenes when you're pre prepping for a competition or you go through a really severe injury and then you have to overcome that. So essentially that's where the name comes from and how it ties in with what we do as a startup. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. And I've listened to a few of your podcasts, so you, you really cover it in all mediums. You've um, got all the socials, the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and you do the podcast as well. And there's also, we'll have to have a little chat about it a little later on, the Sportageous Vinyl, so yeah. getting into a little bit of music there as well. Um, sure. But yeah, it's really, the interviews are very much like um, a more personal communication with the, the sports personality. So it's not from like, we're trying to get a, you know, glitz and glam story, like you were saying. I, I was just listening to um, Genevieve Gregson today and it's actually really funny. The school she went to, John Paul College, is not far from where I am. I was like, right. oh, wow, a local local girl that's awesome so yeah her story was really interesting and it's great that you're highlighting women in sport so i also read that you're an amateur climber yeah that's right um so climbing so we cover five sports uh climbing being one of them which is a bit more of my passion project than some of my co-founders uh just because i obviously absolutely love the sport we have a fantastic bouldering gym here in Canberra shout out to the blockhouse they do a wonderful job they're in Melbourne as well hopefully opening up in Sydney after uh, restrictions ease and everyone's good and up and going again mm -hmm. so yeah I love uh, I love climbing I think it's a phenomenal sport it's growing significantly of course with uh, it now being in the Olympics so everyone's sort of getting up and doing it and the other thing about it is it's just as much about your physical strength as it is your mental strength and your problem solving abilities. And that's what I really, really love about climbing. Uh, so that's a, a whole part of uh, what we do at Sportages as well. Yeah, I noticed as well, you're getting together little posts each day for everyone who wants to, we can't be out playing sport and there's not much sport to be watching on the TV at the moment. So you're putting together 
um, ideas of how people can still be involved with sport and very much with the climbing. I noticed you had, uh, there was a book in there that is all about the mental strategies of climbing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I believe it's called The uh, Vertical Mind, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Australian Olympic climbing coach, uh, Duncan Brown, he's based in Canberra. And I caught up with him recently. And I said, Hey, look, I mean, you know, we're looking for some book recommendations for these guides that we're setting up. And who better to ask than, you know, the master himself. Exactly. <laughs> and and he, he was kind enough to let me know about a few books, which I, in fact, am picking up myself at this moment. Uh, so those are on the list. And yeah, so what we've done is uh, we, we focus on five sports, which is uh, soccer, cricket, climbing, squash, and tennis. And mm -hmm. we just thought, hey, look, I mean, rather being concerned citizens, as I would like to believe that everybody is, um, we don't want people to go out and, you know, play sports in these difficult times, but mm. we recognize that, you know, there is this need with no live TV sports on at the moment and no news on what's going on at the games and you not being able to go out and play sport yourself. So why not enable people to sort of, you know, sit down and look through some sports and, do some exciting things. So we came up with a set of guides for each of these sports with movies, documentaries, books, social media channels, and YouTube channels, and of course, games, both console and phone games, just so you can pass your time. Like, you know, I was browsing through Twitter and I saw every, like there's this whole trend going on, particularly in regards to soccer or football, where everyone's talking about day so and so without football and then there's a funny gif you know yeah. <laughs> like there's something funny going on and i just thought look like people need this you know it's it's obviously sport is important to a lot of people and it brings out that inherent human nature of not necessarily competing with someone else but even competing with themselves and for that purpose we thought hey let's make these guides um we have nothing like there's nothing that we would lose from doing this. And if anything, it would only benefit other people to be able to watch some good documentaries, study the sport, mm. read some books. And then hopefully when things get better, they can turn around and say, Hey, I just have this whole newfound knowledge on this sport that I love. I'm actually going to utilize it in whatever shape or form that may be. And that's essentially what we're trying to do with the guides that we yeah. put out. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a really great idea. And um, another one on the climbing, the Dawn Wall, that Netflix yep. documentary. Oh, I watched that when it first came out and I was, I was enthralled. Yeah. I couldn't stop watching it. It's just amazing what they were doing. Oh. Yeah, Tommy Caldwell, who's the main uh, protagonist of that documentary, he's a phenomenal climber. Yeah. And I think all your listeners should watch that just for the inspiration and um, sort of seeing, you know, how, how people have this uncanny ability of achieving things when they put in the dedication and hard work towards doing that. And also showing that it, achievement it takes a team sometimes. And I loved how when he was up on that wall and his partner climber just wasn't making that section and he stayed there with him. And it, like that was really touching because 
it was a real moment where um, he could have kept going, but he it was more important to him to keep that bond with his friend and support his friend. So that really translates into business too. I think sometimes, you know, it's a, particularly if you're in partnerships, you know, it's got to do it together. Oh, absolutely. I think that's yeah. a fantastic um, analogy actually, because the culture of the climbing community is very, very supportive. So if you ever head over to a climbing gym, whether that's a lead gym or a bouldering gym, you find that people are more than willing to help you out on how to finish a route, how to sort of get a move in that you're unable to get. And it's very, very supportive. And often people need that support from the other climbers um, to be able to finish the route that they've set their mind to. And then that completely, like you said, translates into businesses as well. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. We'll pop all the links to uh, Sportageous in the show notes and on our, all our socials as well. So everyone can pop along and um, look at everything a little bit more in depth and listen to all your podcasts and probably uh, hop along to the guides as well. And um, yeah, fill, fill yeah. in their time with some really productive and interesting sporting um content so that's awesome sure. so that's, let's focus yeah. on you Zushan. when so you've traveled a lot and you've lived in a lot of cities where did you grow up yeah so my story is uh is it's interesting uh you know when they they, they have this term that they use which is a third culture kid and i think that's that's sort of what i am having grown up in a country but not being from there the country where my family was from I hadn't lived there either and then finally in a way finding sort of realizing where I'm from uh, yeah. so I was born in Dubai the United Arab Emirates I think everyone knows Dubai now uh, they didn't necessarily when I first moved to Australia back in 2010 so 10 years ago <laughs> yeah but, Grew up in Dubai. When I was about three years old, we moved to Melbourne because my, my dad was doing his PhD over there. And, you know, we came here, he was studying and we just stayed while he was doing his degree. And in that time, we also got the passport. So my background is Pakistani. My parents are from Pakistan. Um, after living in Melbourne, when I was a little kid, so from the age of three to the age of six almost I moved to Pakistan for a short period of time I lived in Karachi which is this massive massive city it's all of Australia's population in one city so you know it's huge yeah <laughs> uh, lived there for a very short period of time though um, and obviously I was quite young and then we moved back to Dubai because uh, my parents work took me back there while we were in Australia of course my sister was born we then lived in Dubai I did all of my high schooling there um, usually when you live in Dubai and you're not uh, a local so a UAE national or an Emirati you usually go to an English school so it could be a British school or an American school even a Canadian or Australian school so I went to a British school did all of my education there and once I finished uh, from Dubai, I started applying for universities to Australia. 
my parents were a bit hesitant. I was 18. They were like, oh, no, where is he going to go and live by yeah. himself in a completely new place uh, that we're not familiar with either. So they said, go to Australia. Obviously, um, I have a lot of family in Sydney. So I've got a bunch of cousins in Sydney, uh, a lot of family. And, you know, I was hoping to go to study in Sydney. But I... In hindsight, I say fortunately, I ended up in the beautiful, sunny state of Queensland, where you're based. Yes. And I lived in Brisbane for almost five years, studied at the University of Queensland. Fantastic time. I still sort of cite that time as when I really started to grow up and understand myself and, you know, become the individual that I am today because it played such a big role part for me and I have such fond memories of Brisbane I make sure to visit every year and that was great you know living the university lifestyle uh living in St. Lucia I lived in South Bank oh, yes. for a bit. yeah yeah it was lovely the university absolutely gorgeous I have made so many good mates there who are still like the, um both of my co-founders at Sportages are also uh, I became friends with them in Brisbane. So it fits in, you know, really, really well, both Purkan and Hassan. Yeah. And um, after I finished, I moved to Sydney to work at the University of Sydney. I was working as a researcher there. And Sydney was very different. It was a bit more like Dubai, very, very, very busy. Uh, mm -hmm. Before we started the podcast, we were talking about how, you know, Brisbane's called a big... Uh, uh, a big, big town, country town. Yeah. Country town. Yeah. Big country town. That's right. Uh, Sydney obviously is very, very different. Um, so that was nice. I was there for about two and a half years and now I'm in Canberra and I've been here for about two years and this has by far been the biggest culture shock for me because things are really quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's taken me a while to get used to and I would be lying if I said I'm still uh i'm not like i i've gotten used to it because it's still a work in progress i'm getting my head around uh a lot of things but you can't complain when it's 12 minutes to the office and 12 minutes home after one and a half hours to get uh, to commute from sydney uh, mm. each week. <laughs> oh no that's because i'm on the move all the time visiting clients so everyone who has short trips to work i'm like oh that would be so wonderful <laughs> You can't imagine it. <laughs> oh, so being down in uh, Canberra, so your day job, you're still uh, working in the uh, university? No, no. So in the in the day, I work uh, in the public sector. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do some policy work in the public sector, and in the night, I run Sportages. So yeah. Oh, that's great. So I always find a lot of people, and particularly even with myself, the you've usually dabbled in other little startups as well, like whether it was by yourself or with other people. Is Sportageous your first startup? Yeah, so oh. interestingly, it is my first startup. Um, it is, in fact, the first startup for all of us, but I've done a lot of work in the academia space and uh, in my past that has enabled me to sort of do this, I think. Um, so 
when I was uh, working at the University of Sydney in the Department of Government and IR, I worked with a with an academic on a pet project or a passion project of his, mm -hmm. which was essentially setting up a study group or a research center of sorts focusing on South Asian government and IR because that was something that didn't necessarily exist in Australia at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and that in essence was working in a university and using the tools and resources at the university to develop in itself a sort of a startup, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so the skills that I got there were really, really helpful in making Sportages happen in a lot of ways. Could you tell us more about those? Yeah, sure, sure. So, I mean, essentially, the first thing is I was working in academia, so I wasn't, um, I was more of a book book person, if that makes sense, reading mm -hmm. a lot more, doing a lot of that sort of stuff. And this enabled me to sort of open up to this range of different uh, academia members, so all these academics and professors who I'd have to engage with. We were then bringing in politicians from overseas to come and speak at these conferences that we would host at the University of Sydney, engaging with local state politicians and even federal politicians in Canberra. So all of those, I guess, um, communication skills and on the other side of it, there was a lot of that teamwork of how to better utilize tools and how to sort of work um, on brainstorming and innovation and creative tasks and coming up with ideas that would enable us to improve the organization. And I think that really translated well into what I do at Sportages. Oh, fantastic. So your other, the other two partners in Sportages, what would you say their specialties are? Yeah, so I think we have it um, very well split up. So being in on the innovation side of things, um, in fact, my title recently changed. So I don't, uh, I completely understand that it wasn't uh, up just yet, but I've just, we've just re sort of re retitled ourselves and I'm now director creatives and commercials so that fits in really well with what I do and that is uh, two sides of the coin one is developing brainstorming all of the creative ideas so coming up with the themes coming up with who we're going to cover so while I was working in academia I was writing and a very different side of things on politics but for a lot of newspapers uh, opinion pieces and so on and that's what I focus on at Sportages. So the stories that we bring to light, um, the podcasts and what the essence of the podcast discussion will be with the guests that we're speaking to and with a lot of the video content or the written content, how we're going to go about it, who's going to be involved in that and so on. And then on the other side of things is the commercials, which, like I said, um, is one of the things I enjoy a lot, which is going out, reaching out to people, getting in touch, building leads, doing collaborations, seeing how we can work together and trying to see what's beneficial to both parties and 
making that happen. So that's what I do. Then we've got Hassan, who is very much our digital marketing guru. So that's what he does in his day job as well. And everything you see on the social media, that's him pumping it out. I don't know how he does it, but he, he does it somehow and he does it really, really well. So credit uh, to him completely on that. And then there's Furkan, who's very much works with me on a lot of the creatives because that being our main product, um, one person can't necessarily tackle it alone. So he assists, he, I wouldn't say assists, but we try to work together on that. And then he does a lot of the back end. So managing the website, doing a lot of the design. So he's working with both of us regularly on getting things up to scratch, making them work. And then, of course, being a relatively young startup and growing exponentially in such a short period of time, we all have to do everything, to be honest. Mm. Uh, when we started off, we were four, um, four people. Now we're three. That obviously brings in a larger load. We all do everything, but then we have our set areas that we obviously try to focus on more because those are our skills and expertise. So we're all really different. But we do have this passion for utilizing sport to benefit people such as athletes and like we're doing with the guides and then also sharing these stories of athletes and sports. So we also talk to sports health specialists, so sports health and well-being, so physiotherapists, sports medicine doctors and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. and also sports tech businesses. So bringing all of that in pushing out that content to show people that there's this whole other side of things aside from, you know, that meme and rumor based stuff that I touched on earlier. And for mm -hmm. that, I think we all do what we do, but we also have to collectively always work together. Exactly. At the beginning, do you find now, so you're a lot more structured, you have say for instance, oh, you know, each week we're going to meet at this time um, and more structure to keep it running smoother and to keep open communication. Even within those seven months, we have seen such significant change, Christine. I mean, when we started off, we were a sports blog. One month into it, we were, you know, figuring out how to make a podcast work. So I have a background in making hip hop music and doing uh, spoken word poetry. Furkan's yeah. always been a guitarist. Uh, and uh, an overall brilliant musician. So all of the music that you hear on Sportages is produced by Furkan. And we have those skills in podcast editing and editing music and audio. So we do all of that in-house as well. So bringing all of that in together, when we started off, we were scrambling. Now we've got I think, you know, the saying, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you and most listeners are familiar with it. There is an app for everything nowadays. Mm. Yes, there, <laughs> and, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And interestingly, this is the thing that always gets people when I tell them about how we work. All three of us live in different cities in Australia. Oh. So Furkan's based in Brisbane, Hassan's in Sydney, I'm in Canberra. And we have to scramble and get things done while working remotely, uh, which of course in turn has made us a little bit better prepared for the unfortunate circumstances that everybody's in, in the mo at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it wasn't easy initially. You know, we didn't, 
know, like obviously some of us had some ideas of some apps that could be used to work remotely, how to streamline processes, how to get scheduling done on socials, on our website, creating a structure on where our content comes out and so on. And now, you know, we have, so we use Discord for all of our chatting and daily talking. You can put in different channels if uh, anyone's not familiar with it and sub threads within those channels. We don't talk outside of that on work. We're all really good mates. So if we have that WhatsApp group where we started from, that's where we still talk about non-work stuff. So everything centralized to Discord. All of our processes are run through Trello. Trello is uh, yes. a, Yeah, yeah. So um, Trello is a fantastic application for anybody who wants to get processes done at the moment for free, set up several different uh, cards and within each heading, you can put in subheadings with completions. All of your team can work on it simultaneously, edit checklists, put in descriptions, attach links, and you can even use a separate app, which is almost like a middle person to link up a change in Trello to your Discord. And hence, both of those apps are now working through a coordinated approach. So those are some of the things we do. We, of course, at the moment, Christine, are speaking via Zoom. We use Zoom for our video calls, and it's fantastic because you can, of course, share your screen with yes. the other people you're speaking to on Zoom, and that enables you to sort of work simultaneously with them and see or enable them to see what you or they are doing at that point in time. So I think it's become really really easy to work like this and the best part of it is because we're so we're spread across three cities in australia we have this reach which we probably would not have had if we were all solely in one city so if i want to catch up with someone for some business development opportunity in sydney or someone gets in touch with me I say, hey, I'll put you in touch with Hassan. He can come out and meet you and catch up with you because he's based in Sydney rather than you having to come to Canberra or me having to come to Sydney. Um, and it's the same with Brisbane. Yeah, so the processes are a lot better. When we started off, it was an absolute mess. We had no idea what to do. We'd be using WhatsApp. We'd also be using 20 other apps, this one wasn't working, that one was working, and now we've brought it down and we're starting to understand which apps work for us, which ones don't, what are the timings, how to schedule everything, doing our lists on Trello, of course, using things like HubSpot for all of our leads and all of our uh, customer, client, and uh, business relations, and so on. So just seven months, but it's been fantastic. I think I've already learned so, so very much. Yeah. Off business things for a minute, I was really curious with slam poetry. Can you explain yeah. that a little bit more? Ah, oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, slam poetry is, uh, for me personally, it was uh, a great outlet at the time that I did it. and I And I have a lot of respect for spoken word poets as, as they're often called. So slam poetry essentially is a modern form of poetry. So poetry recitals in 
you know, this day and age is slam poetry. And what happens is it sort of originated from that hip hop culture of rap and hip, uh, yeah, rap and hip hop, where there was this famous um, show in America called Def Jam Productions, where all these rappers would come out and, you know, say some lines or some verses without any music in the back. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they freestyle, sometimes they'd write up and craft up some words or some stories and they'd come and say it. And now this has become a really, really big movement. In fact, the largest poetry slam in Australia takes place in Bankstown in Sydney and they get about 500 to 1,000 people attending their monthly slams. Monthly? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is, it is huge. And you've got national level competition, state level, international. Um, I used to do it a lot, especially when I was in Sydney. Uh, I had the, was lucky enough to perform at Bankstown, a few others. And it's really simple in terms of how you do it. People aren't that judgmental, which is great because imagine if you know you're a really young person and you suddenly have to go up in front of you know all these hundreds of people and you've written something and you don't want to be criticized because it it can be really really overwhelming for you so they're quite accepting respectful and they support everyone whether you're starting off or you're an expert but at the same time it's also a competition so you get two minutes the Uh judges aren't experts by any means so they'll send they'll throw out random whiteboards to the crowd and three people who get it are the judges who will score from one to 10. So it's completely neutral, which I think is great in a way because it enables, you know, everyone to have a chance to be involved. Mm -hmm. Um, I have criticized spoken word poetry in the past. I wrote an article on it uh, for the arts hub a few years ago, and I got a lot of backlash from, the spoken word community, but also a lot of acceptance from some of the anomalies and people who agreed with me on some of the downsides of spoken word poetry. But I I don't really want to go into that because I think it is a wonderful thing. And if it's helping you build your creativity, your self-confidence, motivating you to do more, while at the same time being, uh, how would you... uh, being supported by others, there is no harm in it. And I think if there's anyone who's ever written something and has always wanted to perform, get on social media, find out what the nearest slam is once all of this goes away or get onto YouTube, type in spoken word. I will recommend a good friend of mine who was the Australian poetry slam champion in 2016, Zohab Khan. He is phenomenal uh he does he has been doing workshops at schools on poetry around the world and particularly in australia he's from wagga wagga i suggest you check him out it will blow your mind and i think it's a fantastic thing to get into oh that's awesome so i like you i love hip-hop as well and i i love um aussie hip-hop like um bliss and esso hilltop hoods those sort of guys and sure. yeah, what I love about it is there, like there'll be certain lines at different times when you're listening to it and you're like, yeah, I totally feel like that. Or 
oh, that's totally like giving me a little boost. And so that's so awesome because I can see yeah. um, like working in schools and helping young kids sort of express themselves in a different way that um, might get their feelings out in a more comfortable way. It's so, that's so great. I'm going to Absolutely. check it out. I'm going to check yeah, it out. Yeah, you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as we're all allowed outside again, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. That was, I was yeah. I always think there was this movie, uh, I'd say um, early 2000s, with Mike Myers, I think, and he did a, a slam poetry segment in that movie, and it was so right. good. And I was like, is this the same slam poetry? I'm going to check this out. So you're balancing a, like working an 80 to 90 hour week and balancing your daytime career with um, sportagious, your startup. Is there, yeah. if, if someone is sort of thinking, oh, I'm imagining some people listening and they're at the very, very beginnings of it and feeling a little bit overwhelmed with how, how much time needs to be invested to make these startups successful. Is there any, um, any tips or advice you could pass on to them to keep them motivated and continuing? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think I, I would be lying if I say that I don't get stressed out at times and find it difficult, but that's why having a supportive team who is able to, who are able to recognize that you know, you're having a tough time and you're able to recognize that they may be having a tough time and sort of enabling you to overcome that. So if, so the way we work is if either we have very open communication, which I think is key, how we're feeling about each other's ideas, how we're feeling about each other's opinions, what we're going through in terms of our mental health. So mental health is a topic that we touch on at Sportages a lot not mm -hmm. just um, on in our content where we're talking to you know athletes about their mental health and their journeys on dealing with that, but also internally on the corporate side of the organization where you know if one of us we're all doing day jobs and we're all married, we have partners, one of us even has a kid, so we're all really, really busy, and that can get to you and you know there's there there's a reason why work-life balance has been the most searched thing on google in australia for like so many years consecutively right mm. yeah <laughs> and i think the key is to recognize for yourself when you're getting close to i guess burning out and understand that hey i need to talk to my team tell them i need some time off I have done all the work that needed to be done. Can you guys take over for me for this limited period of time? So usually how we do it is at least two of us will be off on a weekend. So we'll mm -hmm. have everything set up and ready to go so that unless there is an emergency, we are not working on a Saturday and a Sunday. Uh, Definitely a Sunday, sometimes even a Saturday. So we make sure that we get that free time. And by the end of the night on a day, on a weekday, once we've done all the tasks, all the like sort of the mandatory things that we needed to get done for things to progress at Sportagis, we stop. We stop talking. We may not even necessarily talk outside of work 
like I said earlier on our WhatsApp chat, because that, you know, you need that space yeah. and at the same time you need that break. So I think those are key things. Having a supportive team who understand what you're going through, if you're going through anything, and even if you're not going through anything, recognizing that you need to take a break because eventually you will burn out even if you're not close to it now. So rather, and let's be honest, would you rather have someone work really hard for three months and then crash and burn or work at a consistent and productive level for a longer and sustainable amount of time. And I, I don't think anyone would disagree with me that the latter is more important, not just for the organization, but the individual and also the content or whatever the product is that you're selling uh, for it to be the best that it can be. And then on the second side of things is if you're burning out, if you're getting to a peak, take a break. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. You can rest, you can figure things out. And I think these two things really, really, really assist me with the hours that I do. But then at the same time, I also love what I do on mm. in both, like both facets of my life. And, you know, my partner is very supportive. My friends are really supportive. My family is really supportive. So if you have that support, you have the passion for what you do and you recognize when to take a break, you can do it guys. Like it can be done. So don't, don't fret. And I, I understand that it may seem overwhelming, but keep at it. Take your time. Don't rush. And you know, we're still very much on a learning journey ourselves, but it's getting busier and busier. We're loving it, but we're also figuring out how to better manage our time and doing what we do. That's great advice. And it's so like seven months in and it's so great that you, you have those structures set up that, and everyone, no one has unrealistic expectations of each other. It sounds like you, it, and it can, when you're, working for yourselves and so excited to get something going it can be like you want to keep working 24 hours a day you're just so excited but you have to pull yourself back and realize I'm, I'm in this for the long run and um i need to just moderate myself so that's really great advice and with technology you know we can get emails constantly feeling okay to say no okay it's I'm switching off now. I don't need to respond to that until I'm next or till after the weekend or till in the morning um, and feeling okay about that. Like I do hear that a lot. People, it takes a little bit for them to feel okay with stopping. Yeah. yeah sure. But like you say, having a passion for it, it, that's the best thing. And I'm yourself and myself. We're so lucky that we have found something that we're passionate about and really enjoy doing. And that's the biggest that's the biggest achievement. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Zushan, thank you so much for um, giving us your time today. It's been really interesting and I can't wait for another seven months to see where you guys are at because it, it's just fantastic. And as you said, it's not just for people who are interested in sport or have a sporting background. It's information and inspiration that can translate into everybody's life. So Oh, I just can't wait to share you with my listeners and get everyone onto, onto Sportageous and what you guys are doing. It's really great. 
Thank you so much, Christine. It's, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you and really getting to share all of this. I think the way that you're doing this podcast, keep at it because I love the way that the style of conversation and really enjoyed answering the questions and good luck to you with everything as well. Oh, thank you. That's lovely. We'll sign off for now. We'll catch up and we'll put all your socials and links in our show notes and socials so everyone can catch up with you really quickly. And we'll say until next time. Thanks a lot. See you soon. Thank you for listening. And I hope you really enjoyed this week's tale. Let me now invite you to pop over to our Facebook group called Pink Sheep Tales Podcast and there you can stay up to date with all the exciting news from our pink sheep. You can also find myself at OCD, Organising, Cleaning and Decluttering Specialists on Facebook or on my website ocdpro.com.au. Well, I'll catch you back here next week. Until then, enjoy yourself.